0: christian atheists uh, believing in god but living as he, if he doesn't exist and uh, as i have to be honest that tonight i was kind of I'm dreading the process of this because i knew that this was a, a series that was going to really challenge us to to kind of perform a reality check in our own lives and kind of where the rubber meets the road is is are we really living the way god wants us to live and so tonight this idea of believing in god but living if he doesn't exist is kind of scary in a way because a lot of people may not realize this in their lives and so uh, pastor aaron asked me to speak and i knew this would be a challenge for me because i did do a a reality check and god really challenged me on certain areas of my own life so as we're speaking tonight as god speaks to you he i mean he's speaking to me too and, and he's still continuing to do that in my life so it's kind of funny i was like man what an awesome opportunity for you to hear me for the first time on an awesome, inspiring topic like this. and, But, but I really am uh, honored to do this tonight with you. And Pastor Aaron's in L.A. tonight, so he asked me to preach, and he does send his love to you all. Um, being the youth pastor, we get these opportunities to speak every once in a while. And I'm used to speaking to 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And you can imagine trying to explain this idea to a student. It could be challenging, but it's unbelievable when you see a student grasp this idea and it completely transforms their lives. So my hope tonight is that it can do the exact same thing for you um, as God speaks to us. As we do this, let's, let's pray because I feel like we need to prepare our hearts and invite God here. God is always present, but he wants us to acknowledge that fact that God is always there. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, for your unbelievable love and your grace. And the fact that you would do anything for us and you did do the greatest thing um, by sending your son jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven and god we invite you here tonight to speak to us that my words would not be my own father but that you would speak to every single one of us exactly the way we need it and we pray this in jesus name amen turn with me to second timothy chapter three if you have your bibles if not the notes will be up on the screen and i and they are in your uh, your packet as well so 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the first five verses in this passage. And let, before we do this, let me kind of give you a background into this, into this book. Um, this, this letter was written from Paul to Timothy, specifically to Timothy. A lot of us know that Paul wrote many letters, but ma- the majority of his letters were written to a church, to a congregation. This letter, as well as 1 Timothy, was specifically directed towards Timothy. And the reason was, is because Timothy was kind of a young guy, just in ministry. He was his partner in crime. Not, you know, I mean, obviously it's ministry, but he, he was starting out, but Paul kind of appointed him to a specific place at this, at this moment. And and he was embrace or he was preparing him to embrace what was about to happen. He was almost kind of prefacing this and saying, look, Timothy, you're about to experience some brutal realities, not only in the church that you're at, but in the whole society where you're living so he had to prepare him for that so as you're as we're reading this together i want us to ask this question what are the qualities that we see listed here that are evident in our world today okay so let's read together uh, chapter 3 1 through 5 it says this you should know this timothy that in the last days there will be difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money check They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Check, check. They will consider nothing sacred, and they will be unloving and unforgiving. Yeah. They will slander others and have no self-control. Check. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Check. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and lovers of pleasure rather than God 8 checks they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly check stay away from people like that he says so what paul's talking about here is he's trying to get timothy to realize that there are people who are going to be in their in his congregation in his church that go to church who claim to believe in god but really put on this facade and pretend to really be living for God and they don't really understand what that means. And they're living for pleasure for themselves rather than holy for God. And he says, Don't be deceived by that. And stay away from those people. There was a Gallup poll that was taken a little while back that actually said that ninety-four percent of those who are living in the in, in America in the church believe in God or and actually outside the church too, excuse me. But ninety-four percent of people in this survey actually believed in god or this universal spirit whatever you want to call it but they didn't really believe in a god that they needed to fear or they didn't believe in in the one true god that created everything 94 percent. so where do we miss this we believe in god but we don't fear him and that's our topic tonight Uh, we have four different topics that are going to be in the series but tonight we're going to specifically look at this idea that i believe in god but i simply do not fear him what does that mean that's what we're going to look at. So, I believe in God, but I want to do whatever I want. Uh, at the root of this, we have to look at this idea of what fear means. We have to look at this word specifically, fear, and how that pertains to this idea of being a Christian atheist. You have in your notes there, if you want to take it out, in that first line there, it says that a Christian atheist is one who lives, or who, excuse me, who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't really exist. And my hope and prayer tonight is that that is not us. That is nobody here. And if so, that God would meet you where you're at tonight. That's my prayer too for me. You see, this series can actually have a a lifelong impact on you if you let it because of how controversial it really is. Next week, we're talking about this idea that I believe in God, but I just don't want to go overboard. I just don't want to go too crazy. Uh, Week three is I believe in God, but I actually believe in money a little bit more. And then the last week is, I, I believe in God, but I just don't know him. And, and Pastor Aaron will be preaching on that and really helping us understand what it means to know God. And if you don't know God, then how you can do that. But today is, I believe in God, I just don't fear him. So this idea of fear, a lot of us have a very clear concept of this word fear. But the, the thing that, that is, is tough about it is our, our understanding is completely contrary to what the, what the Bible says of the fear of God is. So what I want us to do tonight is I literally want us to, to dissect this word from our minds, this idea of fear, which is to be insecure, to be frightened, to, to live without faith. I want us to take that word, literally take it out of our minds, bring it over here, pretend like there's a box, put it in here and seal it up, and leave it there. Because we cannot have this this idea if we want to really understand what it means to fear God of when the bible mentions over and over again that that we are to fear god he says that it's this idea that we are to hold god to the highest regard to hold him the highest regard above anything else i was looking it up and actually the hebrew word in the old testament is is pahad which literally means to have a reverential awe or worship of god do you revere him that's the question and that's the idea of this, of this term fear that the Bible has for us. When you look at this practically, Christian atheism is failing to recognize Jesus, the invisible, in our everyday lives. It's forgetting that Jesus, just as much as he died on the cross for us, right, and sacrificed his life, he, the reality is he also rose again. He actually resurrected and gave us life. Do we see the resurrection of Jesus and is it impacting our lives on a daily basis? Acts chapter 2, 32 through 36, Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter is, is embracing the crowd. and This isn't in your notes, but this is another um, passage as I was thinking about through this process. Peter addresses the crowd just after the Spirit came to them at Pentecost. And he says, he basically gives a picture-perfect truth about this idea. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of that. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this. And this is the key, the key verse. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. Both Lord and Savior. I do believe that Pastor Aaron has has mentioned it before in in the past that when you really look at things, the fear of God in the Old Testament is the same thing as being filled with the Spirit in the New Testament, being filled with the Spirit of God. It's this idea that you are completely consumed by God, that you have completely emptied and surrendered yourself and allowed Him to fill you and captivate you and consume you with His being. It's like this idea of a cup, and I I was going to have a cup, but I forgot it's like a cup we have we have this cup called life our life right and we have another cup that is god's grace when we empty our cup into his he actually fills it back up to the brim fuller than it was before with his passion with adventure with purpose with this bold servanthood for him and, and for for people that's this idea but pastor Aaron was talking the other day too and he gave me this really good explanation in this illustration that's kind of like a Las Vegas buffet. I don't know. How many of you ever been to a Las Vegas buffet? I have. It's pretty awesome, right? They got, you got great food, relatively good price. You go in and, and you see these mountains of food. You get to pick exactly what you want, right? You pick, you pick the bad stuff here, the bad stuff there. One little good thing here. And, and you, you get all these things. You put them on like four different plates, right? On a tray. And you literally pick and choose what you want. That's the beauty of a buffet, right? You can eat as much as you want, but you get to pick and choose exactly what it is you want. If you're like me, you have some fries with your ketchup. And, and you get that food, you sit down, you take one big breath, and you eat it all at once. And then you exhale. That's how I am. Just ask my family. And, or ask, ask my, uh, Amanda. Amanda. She's like, the only person I know that eats faster than Aaron is you. So that's how, how I eat. So don't take me to a buffet, okay? If you guys are planning to take me out to dinner, just don't take me to a buffet. But but that's what we do, right? We take we take and we pick and choose. And that's kind of how it is with our relationship with God, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a little bit of your grace, God, but, you know, I, I just, I don't want to go overboard, change everything. I don't, I don't want to stop sleeping with my girlfriend or my, my boyfriend. I mean, come on, it's 2012, Right? Or, I don't want to, you know, change my lifestyle. I'll believe in you. I'll, You know, I'll, I'll go to church, but don't ask me to change my lifestyle. Just don't ask me to do that. You know, so we, we pick and choose these ideas about how God, how our relationship with God is going to look. It's buffet Christianity, really, when you think about it. Um, and, and we believe in God, but we don't fear him. That's this idea. I believe in him. I just don't fear him, and I'm going to live how I want to live. Uh in your notes there, there's a, there's a verse, Psalm 36, 1 through 2. And the psalmist basically says it best. He says that sin whispers to the wicked deep within our hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. So sin lies to us. It lies to us and says, hey, go ahead. Go do that. It's okay. This whole God thing, you don't need to take it seriously cuz he'll love you anyway, right? He'll he'll forgive you no matter what you do. Go ahead and go do that. Go go work those long hours and neglect your family. They'll they'll actually appreciate you for it anyway. You know, go go sleep with your girlfriend, go go live with your with your boyfriend. God doesn't care about that anyway. And and sin lies to us, right? Even if it's the littlest thing, sin creeps in and lies to us. It says that sin whispers to the wicked But let me ask you a question. What if this passage was talking about us? What if we are the wicked? We don't typically like to see ourselves as that, right? We don't typically say, yeah, I'm wicked. Speaking of wicked, it's awesome. Anyways, sorry. The Bible tells us that no one is righteous. Not even one everyone is wicked in their own in their own regard. Romans chapter 3:10 through 12 says that as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise and no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless, and no one does good, not a single one. What if this verse was talking about us? Let's just let's just embrace that for a second that we may be the ones that are wicked. Do the things that our physical eyes see every day distract us from allowing the eyes of our heart to see God every day in our lives? Our eyes distract us in so many ways so that the eyes of our heart cannot see God, and and we and we become wicked. Here's the good news. God loves us. The good news, and that's so simple, but it's not. God loves us so much that he didn't leave this idea unaddressed, unanswered. He's so crazy to love us that he gave us his son. And if that doesn't allow for God to be revered and to have and to have this highest regard for, I don't know what does. That's the reason itself for us to be able to to worship God with our whole hearts. And God is amazing to to allow us to understand that in our lives he is good to do that as much as we're not good in our own right he allows us to do that so it's like it's like this idea of, of a sport right we we all like sports or maybe we don't but we all have a hero maybe at some point in our lives that we we held held high right we in the basketball you got lebron james i'm not a fan but i'm saying he he won the mvp so i mean i had to throw him out there uh, football, you got Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, uh, cooking, you got Rachel Ray. Um, but for me growing up, my hero was actually my dad and it just so happens that he's here tonight. I mean, what are the odds, right? And I have to say that. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, but the cool thing about it was that just growing up, like when my dad would come home, we would, my brother and I would anticipate it, Right. We'd be like, yeah, we get to hang out with my dad, go throw the football around, or play catch, whatever the case may be, and we just love to be around my dad and to interact and to see him interact with other people with my mom. And I held my dad, and I still do to this day. Obviously, I held, I hold him to the highest regard. There was nobody that I did that I didn't, you know. And that's so so. Understanding as a child, you understand this idea of of having this awe and this respect and this worship. You know, and holding somebody to the highest regard. So for me, I had my sports, you know, heroes. I had I had all those people. You know, I loved um, Michael Jordan in basketball, even though I was terrible at basketball. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was like one of those things. We all have those people in our lives, and I'm sure you can list at least one that you held above anybody else in that in that respect. So, you can imagine as as we think about a relationship with God, to hold. The father who loves us more than our own father or mother could ever love us. How much more does he deserve that? How much more does the one who created everything, the fact that the universe universe goes above and beyond what we can even fathom personally, chose to demonstrate that in us. You see, we were his greatest creation because he chose to give us his image and likeness versus the rest of creation. Um, I don't know if you've heard the news. Um, some of you do, maybe it was on Facebook or maybe word of mouth, but, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first baby and, um, it's, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you can clap. It's all right. Yeah. You can keep clapping. That's fine. Um, no, but the reason why I bring that up is because it's, it's such an unbelievable, crazy, different time, right? I mean, it's, it's something like never before. And, uh, my wife is about 12 weeks right now, and, and the first trimester is getting over. But we've been relishing this entire moment, you know, in, in these weeks. And the reason being is because God m- masterfully and intricately creates us distinctly, every single one of us differently. And we've been following this, uh, this website. I think it's called The Bump. And it's kind of like the knot or the shack or what, what's the, I think it's the nest. You know, it's like, uh, and but the the bump is kind of is for pregnancy, obviously. You know, because and and you get to see week by week what what's happening with the baby. You get to see you know the features. You get to see the characteristics, the highlights of what's going on, and then you also get to hear about you know the the things that the woman gets to dread, you know, and it's been a great time. I mean, except for the fact, you know, that there's nausea and tiredness and all that stuff, the usual, but week four, I don't know if you realize this, the baby already has a heart and the the heart's already functioning. You know, week 12, the baby has fingerprints. And as we've been going through this process, it's really caused me to really reflect on the glory of God. If you were here last week, uh, we had Ken Hubbard who spoke on the glory of God. And that really resonated with me because if God cares about creating a baby so distinctly at four weeks old, when it's this big, that just shows how much he really does love us. And I believe it's in the second trimester. Nobody can describe or explain what happens but there's, they, what scientists will tell you is that there's this mysterious sharp object that happens to come along and, and literally cut the skin above the, eye, above the eye and the baby. Not too deep, not too, not too shallow, but perfectly enough to create the eyelids of a baby. And nobody can describe that. I'm pretty sure I have a good idea. But it just shows you the glory of God. It shows you the masterful creation of God. And that is why I believe we should have awe and reverence for God, because He's amazing to do that. So, in your notes, there's a couple different things there. And when we do fear Him, because we've been talking about this idea we fail to fear God and everything, but what if we do fear God? What if we do grasp this idea of how we can fear God? There's two things. That we know is true. The first one is in your notes. It says, when you truly fear God, you will serve him wholeheartedly without condition, without any conditions. The truth is, I mean, a lot of us have conditions today, right? We, A lot of us have conditions for God. You know, I, I'm going to get, I'll give 4% Ty. I'm not going to get 10%. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to serve in the church, God, but don't make me go over the seas to Africa. Can I, I'm not going to do that. You know, or maybe it's, you know, God, I know you asked me not to take your name in vain, but come on, I just got to say something, right? I just have to let it out. You know, a lot of times in the youth ministry, you, you know, you kind of catch students doing that. And I just tell them, you know, just say cheese and crackers or something, you know, instead of, instead of doing that, just use a substitute, say cheese and crackers. But, but it's this idea that I'll serve God, but with conditions. But when we truly fear God, we will serve him without conditions. When we are, when we are obedient to him, Genesis chapter 22 gives us a perfect example of this idea. And we have a story of a father, an unbelievable father who was obedient to God. Because you see God in this path, in this story is testing this father and says, I want you to go take your son and kill him. <laughs> he says, go and take your son and sacrifice him as an obedient sacrifice from me and you can imagine this is crazy and, and reluctantly yet obediently because I mean after all it was this child Abraham went and took his son and the moment he was about to to sacrifice his son an angel appeared to him and this is what it says the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy do not hurt him in any way for I know now that you have truly fear God that you have not withheld from me any Thing, even your son your only son the greatest visible evidence of obe- of fear of god excuse me is obedience to god as we see with this with this story of of abraham but we have a generation of cultural christians maybe even if you want to call them false converts who who don't get this idea that they they practice this idea of this buffet style christianity and they pick and choose jesus put it plainly in john 14 15 he says if you love me you'll obey my commandments. If you truly love me, you will obey my commandments. You'll serve him without any conditions. Uh, one day, St. Francis of Assisi was walking along a path, and, and I don't know about you, but there are certain things in my life that I fear like none other, like one of those being heights. I, I am mean, even though I'm tall, I cannot stand heights. But St. Francis of Assisi was walking along a path one day, and the, the greatest thing that feared him happened that that in that moment when he was walking he noticed a man that was covered white in leprosy and in that moment he's thinking oh man i gotta figure out a way to get past this guy i need to do a matrix move and move around him somehow but as he got closer he realized no there's no way i have to go straight past this guy and i just gotta go for it i got i gotta stick my head down and just go and the moment he got close to him god prompted him to wrap his hands around him hug him Kiss him on the neck and say, God be with you. As he walked by, he, you know, he turned around, obviously, like anybody would, to see the reaction of this guy, and the guy was gone. And up until his death, St. Francis of Assisi believed that he had countered Christ in that moment, that he encountered Jesus himself. So we talk about this idea, will we serve him without condition? Will we, go to the, will we go to the depths, to the greatest lengths to do that. So let's talk about this, this second idea in, in, in our, uh, our talk here is when you truly fear God, you will be forever ruined. You're probably thinking, what? be ruined? But when you think about it, in the Old Testament, so many cities were brought to ruins. And when that happened, the infrastructure fell, the outer structure fell, everything was rubble and, and, and was broken down. Never be to be the same again. Some of those cities rebuilt, but not all of them. But the, but the thing about it, the interesting about it was, is they would never be the same again. Even the ones that were rebuilt. They were forever changed. Are we Are we ruined? When you fear God, when you've experienced this fear, you will be forever ruined. Have you been ruined? Jesus promises us that as we are going, he will be with us when we gather he is present and when we are going out he's there isaiah you should read isaiah six sometime it's a pretty cool uh, story about um about just this, the life of the church the old testament church um the jews and and how god responded to them but isaiah chapter six uh says this and it gives us a really good idea of this idea of being ruined he says it was in the year king Uzziah died and usually when that happened, when people would, would start off a little uh, a passage on that, usually what it meant was that a guy died or a guy got elected and they didn't like him and the world fell apart. But he says that in this year King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Attending were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And this isn't in your nose, but he saw God, and his life was ruined. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I, am fil- I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips yet I have seen the king the lord of heaven's armies the one then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs he touched my lips with it and said see this coal has touched your lips now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven then i heard the lord asking whom shall i send as a messenger to this people who will go for us the next part of this passage Isaiah doesn't say, well, I'll go if I got a good pay. I got a good pension or I got a good insurance. You know, you're going to give me a car or I got to walk. No, he doesn't say that. He says he was so captivated and ruined by God. He said, send me, please. God, I am so blown away by you that I will go wherever you want me to go. I will, I will speak to whoever you want me to speak to. My fear is that so many of us may not be ruined yet. That we haven't really known him. And we haven't been close enough to him to know what it means to fear him. And it, and it troubles me that some of us may here be, be Christian atheists. It's a reality check for us. So my hope tonight is that you'll you begin to understand that for yourself. If If you are at a place where maybe you don't know God or maybe... Maybe you're beginning to figure that out. Or maybe for a long time you thought, sure, I know God. I've been in a relationship with him for, for years. But maybe tonight God is speaking to you just as much as he's been speaking to me, realizing, man, no, you need to really check yourself and see whether or not that you you really fear God the way you should. So what we're going to do is uh, I want us to, to just take a moment And I want us to allow God to speak to us tonight. I want to to allow God to to do that with you personally. Wherever you're at tonight, he wants to meet you where you're at. And he he wants to speak to us. He wants us to, to do a work. So what I want us to do is I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes real quick. maybe you're just at the moment where you're at you're where the rubber meets the road and you're at a crossroads and and God is saying, you know what? You have a choice to make. You can take the narrow road. You can take the narrow gate or you can take the wide gate. You can choose to follow me and understand what it means to have your cup filled completely to the brim or you can have your your cup half full or maybe even empty. So, in this moment, I just want you to take a moment in silence and just, to, just ask God to reveal to yourself where you're at and what what you need to do to change that. Father God, we. We are your church that you have called to be the light of the world, to be your hands and feet. And if we can't even simply have reverence and awe for you, how can we even have a heart to serve you, to serve people, to serve others? God, minister to our hearts tonight challenge us as we, as we leave this place tonight that throughout the week every day that we can present ourselves as a living sacrifice maybe tonight you're you're still figuring things out and maybe God is asking you to, to take that step and and make him first in your life make a decision to put God first if that's you I just want you to pray a prayer in the quietness of your heart and just let him know that you want to do that. Just say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Forgiving me for my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done and, and I ask you to, to come into my life and be number one. With uh, a heads- has bowed still and eyes closed if you made that decision tonight i just want to challenge you to take the next step and just raise your hand so i can pray for you and and, and just ask god to continue to speak to you and teach you as you as you follow him so if you just made that decision just go ahead and raise your hand and so i can pray for you thank you god we thank you you're good Help us to understand what it means to love you back. That we would not be in this category, Father. That we would be in the 6% that truly says, I fear you. I hold you to the highest regard above anything else. And I worship you. If you did that make decision, you can you can raise your heads there. And If you didn't make that decision tonight, on your connect card, there's a spot that just says, "I have decided to put God first in my life." If you want to check that and just put it in the in the boxes when you leave, that way we can pray for you and we can we can help you in that process. And we have we have next steps. If if you want to know what's next, we have these these pamphlets here that are called. It just says, "Now what?" You can pick these up. We have some outside, um, as well as on our website. There's just some opportunities that you can figure out what it means. We also have Bibles for you. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can take one of these and just start reading it. And get in the soap and really begin with it, uh, you know, begin to figure out what it means to to serve God. So, in this moment we're gonna, we're going to worship, and uh, in this moment, and what a better way to, to really worship God with our hearts than to sing to Him? So, let's uh, let's close it out with some worship.